Hey, it is the Teal Shirt Report podcast. My name is Scott. We're listened to in as many as 36 states across the United States now. And we're internationally, worldwide. Got a lot of listeners in Northern Ireland, uh, UK, Canada, uh, Puerto Rico, Hong Kong. Hey, guys. And, of course, we've got, you know, listeners other places uh, as well. Did I say Montreal, Quebec? Um, I did mention Northern Ireland, um, also New Zealand, Germany, all across the world. A lot of states, as many as 36 states across the United States, including some uh, newer states uh, recently, uh, such as Montana. Montana with us now. Uh, We've always had probably our biggest listenership right in Florida as we are covering the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, North Florida Entertainment, and other area sports as well. Our sponsors, Anchor.fm, simplest and easiest way to do a podcast. Great creation tools uh, with Anchor as well. And it's free to start. So keep that in mind, Anchor.fm. Simplest and easiest way to do a podcast. We've been doing our podcast with Anchor uh, going back to when we started the podcast in about mid-January of 2020. We started the podcast, the Teal Shirt Report podcast, actually before you know before we knew about COVID, which we started learning about COVID, you know, and and then some, and that that happened like in March. And about mid-March, we started to see, I know the Bishop Kenny girls soccer team won a state championship. And that was the last sporting event before COVID really seemed to hit, you know, across the United States. And then we started to see uh, the leagues canceling their seasons, you know, like the XFL, uh, National Arena League, as they canceled their seasons. Uh, in uh, 2020, of course, the XFL, you know, was back playing in 2020. They had a five-game schedule, and then they stopped. And eventually, Vince McMahon went bankrupt with the XFL. The XFL was uh, up for bid, had a bankruptcy. The Rock taking over the XFL. They're not playing yet, but they are regrouping. It looks like the XFL will return. As I'm told now, it looks like the XFL will start back up, and it appears it will be 2023 when the XFL starts back up. But we're here to talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars, North Florida Entertainment, and other area sports as well. Our attention has to go to, you know, not only the sponsors like Anchor.fm, Saucer Realty, and North Florida for your real estate needs, LakeyFallHits.com, great internet radio where it's all good. And I understand, according to JC, they've got some exciting uh, new changes coming up with LakeyFallHits.com, L-A-K-E-E-U-F-A-U-L-A. Hits, H-I-T-S dot com. That's LakeyFallHits.com. Great internet radio where it's all good. They've got some changes coming up and making improvements there as well at LakeyFallHits.com. And you can always follow us at BigJReport.com. Well, the biggest news for the Jaguars had to be the scrimmages, uh, which were held 
back on uh, Saturday, August the 7th. Uh, the one that was, um, you know, the one that the public attended in earnest was uh, the scrimmage on Sunday, August the 8th. The totals, I, I, you know, I did see the stands. It looked like everybody was kind of spread out, you know, still in the COVID environment. Uh, but it looked like, as I was told, you know, over 15,000 fans did turn out uh, for the scrimmage in which, uh, you know, I'm getting a lot of reports. I, I actually listened to some of the scrimmage on the radio. Uh, LaVisca Chenault cut a t- caught a touchdown pass, a three-yard touchdown pass from Trevor Lawrence after Trevor Lawrence, um, you know, led his team down the field. And I believe uh, that was the, the number one offense against perhaps a number two defense of the Jaguars. You know, these scrimmages can get a little confusing at times, but I know that the one drive I listened to on the radio, uh, LaVisca Chenault caught a three-yard touchdown pass. And Trevor Lawrence, you know, led the team down the field, uh, made a nice drive. I understand as the scrimmage progressed, I think Trevor had maybe as many as three touchdown passes and no interceptions. I, you know, I did see a note on social media that said, hey, LaVisca Chenault had dropped two or three passes. My goodness. You know, I'm not worried about that in a scrimmage. I mean, LaVisca Chenault had two touchdown catches in the last game against the Colts last year. You know, he caught a touchdown pass in the scrimmage. The guy is going to be a star in this league, and he has a nose for the end zone. He runs with, I mean, reckless abandonment. I mean, he's uh, I mean, he, he's a yard-after-catch guy, LaVisca Chenault. So, LaVisca Chenault... You know, even though he dropped as, you know, I, I didn't even see this officially or even even hear this, you know, in the um, the radio broadcast of uh, the Jaguar scrimmage, which was abbreviated. I don't, I don't think they had the, uh, you know, they basically dropped the coverage after one hour on the TV and the live stream. So you really didn't see the scrimmage on uh, TV or the live stream. Stream. You'd have to be inside the stadium to see the scrimmage in its entirety. And I understand, I believe the scrimmage on Saturday was, um, you know, uh, I believe a longer scrimmage on Saturday than Sunday. You know, Sunday was probably kind of fun day. The guys are playing football. So, I, you know, I see these headlines on social media. LaVisca Chanel drops two or three. Uh, passes in the game. I'm not too worried about that. He caught a touchdown pass, too. Think, I think LaVisca is going to be a star in this league. He's not even the top wide receiver in the pecking order. It's got to be DJ Chark, uh, Marvin Jones Jr., and then LaVisca Chenault. Uh, Colin Johnson has done some good things. And then I keep hearing more and more about Philip Dorsett, maybe the number five wide receiver if he makes a team. But there's a lot of competition, a lot of competition at wide receiver. Um, Mr. Agnew, uh, what's his name? Jamal Agnew is basically, as I understand it, going to be the kickoff returner and he's probably going to be the sixth wide receiver. So that may be it as far as wide receivers go. I know the Jags have signed some guys and there's been some players even above and beyond those six that Urban Meyer says looks really good. Now we did see some, uh, some rumors floating around just as of this morning. We, we saw some rumors. There's a rumor floating around from CBS that 
the Jaguars have been named potentially as a top landing spot for a superstar wide receiver, Michael Thomas, now that he doesn't have Drew Brees to play with, maybe a fresh start would do him good. However, I don't really like to see the chemistry messed with that the Jaguars have built with, uh, you know, LaVisca Chenault, DJ Chark, Marvin Jones Jr., and even Colin Johnson. But if it happens, who knows? Um, who's a part of that deal? I mean, would it be C.J. Henderson, who appears to have fallen out, um, perhaps with um, Jaguars coach Urban Meyer, and maybe he's going to be traded, C.J. Henderson, the cornerback. You know, the Jags did draft cornerback Tyson Campbell, you know, out of Georgia, who Urban Meyer likes quite a bit, who could play nickel, who could play uh, even safety, as we've been told, Georgia Bulldog football insider Mad Max. Uh, who follows the Georgia Bulldog program very closely, you know, said that, you know, in a message he sent me a few weeks ago, said that uh, he, he feels like uh, Tyson Campbell could be a safety at the NFL level. So there's trade rumors. Here we go. Jaguars named as potential landing spot for Michael Thomas. That's according to CBS Sports. So if that were to happen, you know, you know, I think we're good at wide receiver already. You know, I hate to really mess with uh, the chemistry. I wonder, though, and I wrote this earlier uh, when I was responding uh, to some people in one of the uh, Jaguars groups, this one, uh, Duval Daily. You know, I said, I, I think we're good at wide receiver already. I hate to mess with the chemistry. Wonder, I wonder if it could possibly be a Michael Thomas for C.J. Henderson trade and possibly a draft pick involved, could this possibly happen? And could the Jaguars, since they have so many wide receivers, could the Jags also send a wide receiver back the other way? Or, you know, you guys out there listening, uh, write to me, scott at bigjreport.com, because C.J. Henderson could be traded. Uh, Michael Thomas could certainly be traded with the Saints. I think it's more of a they're trying to stay under the salary cap. You know, the Jags had already gotten Michael Brown, the uh, defensive back uh, from New Orleans you know, a few weeks ago, a few months ago, as a run stuffer. As uh, That was more of a salary cap uh, casualty. As, again, uh, you know, the Jaguars, uh, you know, continue to – they were building the roster – you know, certainly uh, building and rebuilding the roster. And I'm going to pull up, I'm going to pull up the uh, Jaguars roster right now. Um, there's also things going around about, hey, it looks like Gardner Minshew will start the first preseason game. Well, that's great. I mean, I, th I think Gardner needs to work. Trevor will play. There's only three preseason games. Maybe Trevor plays a game and or perhaps a game and a half. You know, maybe you see Luton for a quarter. Um, I think C.J. Beathard needs some work. I think all four of those guys uh, need some work in, you know, certainly an Urban Meyer system. As it stacks up right now, it's obviously Trevor Lawrence as the number one quarterback and the best prospect, the best quarterback prospect since, in my opinion, John Elway, going back to the, the early and mid-1980s. So, Again, it's, um, you know, obviously it's Trevor Lawrence is the number one quarterback. Gardner Minshew, as long as he's on the team, 
you know, he's, you know, he's going to be the backup. He's played better from reports. He's played better. Gardner Minshew's played better than the other guy, C.J. Beathard. So it's got to shake down like Trevor Lawrence, number number one, Gardner Minshew, number two. And you remember Gardner in his rookie year played kind of had a rough first game of the preseason. Then he got better and better. So I think Gardner kind of kind of likes playing and likes playing in the preseason. And apparently he may start the first preseason game uh, for the Jaguars. Uh, we talked about Malcolm Brown earlier, uh, the guy, the uh, the defensive tackle, six foot two, three hundred and twenty pound run stuffer, twenty seven years of age. I mean, this is a guy just getting into his prime that the Saints had to relinquish uh, due to salary cap issues, as I understand it. So, and I believe the Jags only gave up a seventh round pick going the other way. Malcolm Brown, going to be a good run stuffer for the Jaguars. The Jags have added some other defensive players, too. And that's probably the only area which I see, and this is kind of a funny thing to say with a team being coming off a 1-15 season last year, but look at all the draft picks, the depth that was built in free agency. And, and then I'm going to sit here and say the only weakness to the team might be the defensive line. Hey, this season is going to be a lot of fun, especially when you got players like Trevor Lawrence, even Gardner Minshew, as long as he doesn't get traded, and Tim Tebow, as long as he makes the 53-man roster. This is going to be fun. You're listening to the Teal Shirt Report podcast. Uh, we're listening to in as many as 36 states in the United States. We're worldwide and internationally as well. So thank you for listening. We're brought to you by Anchor.fm, simplest and easiest way to make a podcast all kinds of great creation tools uh, with Anchor.fm. Also, Saucer Realty for your North Florida real estate needs, whether it's home, residential, uh, business or commercial real estate. Remember, Saucer Realty. Go to BigJReport.com. Scroll all the way down to our 24-7 North Florida weather information. And right there in the middle of the weather report, as you scroll all the way down, in the middle of the weather report, uh, you'll find the link for Saucerility. Also, LakeUfallahits.com, great internet radio where it's all good. And some great changes. You know, they've always had uh, rock Saturdays. I think they're adding uh, more rock to the mix. Uh, they have uh, Hits 2000s in the evenings. A lot of great variety. A lot of recognizable hits. And, um, you know, some, some music that's going to get you thinking, too, late at night. So, so keep all that in mind, LakeUfallHits.com, great internet radio where it's all good. JC kind of runs that entity, LakeUfallHits.com, so check them out. You're listening to the Teal Shirt Report podcast. Of course, you can always follow us at BigJReport.com. We've got more on the Jaguars, North Florida Entertainment, and other area sports coming up here on the Teal Shirt Report podcast. You're listening to the Teal Shirt Report podcast. My name is Scott. Again, we're listening to in as many as 36 states. Episode show number 46. And I, you know, actually was looking up um, number 46. Tim McDonald wore number 46. So there were a few more solid 
overlooked players that shared the number 46, McDonald, Tim McDonald, who started 187 games and earned six Pro Bowl bids from 1987 to 1999. I believe he was primarily with the San Francisco 49ers. Let's see, another number 46, Raiders tied in Todd Christensen. He twice uh, led the league in receptions in 1983 and 1986 with the Raiders. Caught 461 passes in his career. So a couple of famous uh, number 46s. So this is the 46th episode. Um, this is the 46th episode, season number two of the Teal Shirt Report podcast. And again, hey, we appreciate you uh, uh, tuning in uh, to our podcast. Um, we really do appreciate you tuning in very, very much. And I was trying to look up who was wearing number 46 for the Jaguars. We're trying to find out if there's a number 46. I mean, they got 90 guys in camp. Somebody's wearing number 46, right? We'll try to find that out before the uh, before the end of this uh, podcast. Hey, the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp are extremely hot right now. Um, they had a doubleheader on Sunday. That's the last game they played. They had Monday off, uh, yesterday off. But on Sunday, they had a doubleheader in AAA baseball. After doubleheader sweep of Norfolk, after doubleheader sweep of Norfolk on Sunday, August the 8th of 2021, the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp are now 48 and 36. Now, what is cool about AAA, you know, we had the Jumbo Shrimp playing in AA, you know, a couple of years previous to this season. Of course, minor league baseball was, you know, canceled. Uh, due to COVID, of course, uh, last year in 2020. But I remember many, many years. This wasn't every year, of course, but the Suns in AA used to play split seasons. I like this. They're going to keep their record the entire year because they're already through the halfway point. The Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp are now 48-36 and 36 on the season. We do check the Jacksonville Jaguars' latest news. Um, of course, North Florida Entertainment and other area sports as well. There's also there's also a new um, JUCO team that's going to be playing in Jacksonville, known as uh, JAA Moccasins. So JAA Moccasins, I believe Alex Nunnery uh, will have some messages uh, for us a little bit later on in the podcast. We'll get some reports and. Uh, perhaps interviews from Alex Nunnery. The JAA Moccasins uh, would be playing their home games at Clay High School in Clay County. Their head coach is Justin uh, Reagan, and their quarterback um, will be Aaron. His first name is Aaron. In fact, I had a chance to uh, talk to Alex Nunnery about you know some of the goings-on of JAA JUCO football uh, here in Jacksonville, although they will be playing their home games at Clay High School in uh, Clay County. Alex Nunnery is going out there Friday, so we will be getting some, you know, some reports and uh, perhaps interviews from the JAA JUCO school playing football, you know, here in uh, uh, Jacksonville. Uh, Florida. So it's quite interesting that now we are going to have Juco football. They're going to be playing, I know, a couple of the first games coming up. Um, JAA um, 
moccasins will be playing a school in Atlanta. They'll also be playing a team in Florence, South Carolina. We'll be talking more about that as the season gets closer. The head coach is Justin Reagan. And, of course, um, you know, I asked Alex who the starting quarterback is. He said it's Aaron Penny. The kid, I said Aaron a few minutes ago. It's Aaron Penny. Uh, he is from the D.C. area. Um, so I told Alex, hey, that gives us something to go by. And uh, Alex also went into some other players. Jaden Turner is a slot wide receiver from Ridgeview High School in Orange Park. And Brandon Thomas, another local kid, is a defensive back playing from Rebalt. So some pretty good talent out there. Um, they will be, let's see, looks like they will be playing Florence in their first game up in South Carolina. Then they host Atlantis, uh, Atlantis College is the first home game. And I asked Alex, where is Atlantis College? Where is Atlantis College from? He said Atlanta, Georgia. So the first couple of games for the new JUCO team in Jacksonville, JAA, the JAA Moccasins. This is their inaugural season. And the first couple of games, they'll play uh, Florence, South Carolina, I believe, at Florence, South Carolina. And then they got Atlantis uh, from Atlanta will be a home game. The home games for the JAA Moccasins will be played at Clay High School. We'll be getting some more reports and, and perhaps hopefully some interviews from the JAA Moccasins. We'll be telling you more about this new JUCO team. The players, most of the players are actually going to school. Um, I get, I, you know, I'm still kind of learning about this. So it's more, JAA is more of, I guess, an athletic body um, that provides the athletics. But the student athletes will still be attending college. And I believe they, I believe, as Alex told me, they attend college at, at Florida State uh, College uh, here in Jacksonville. So it's pretty cool. I think it's pretty cool. Um, because I did attend that that college at one time too, so JAA JUCO football here in Jacksonville. I was going to ask Alex a question about I, and I believe they're the only, uh, and I could be wrong, but I believe they're the only. And I did ask Alex this, Alex uh, this question. I did ask Alex this question: Is JAA the only team in Jacksonville playing JUCO football? And I'm waiting to hear back from Alex, but I believe I believe as I speak to you right now on this, uh, it is Tuesday morning, August the 10th. I, I believe JAA in their inaugural season as a JAA moccasins, um, this will be their first year playing JUCO football, and I believe they're the only. Uh, I believe they're the only entity and and students that will be playing uh, JUCO football. Uh, here in the Jacksonville, Florida area. So that'd be interesting to follow. Uh, we talked about um, the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp and AAA this year, AAA baseball, after a doubleheader sweep of Norfolk on Sunday, August the 8th of 2021. The Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp are now 12 games over 500 with a record of 48 and 36. You know, it's kind of interesting. There's a lot of good teams in AAA baseball. Then there's, a, you know, some teams under 500. So, it's like you get beat up by, um, you know, some of the really good teams like Durham and Nashville, and then you have to, you know, make up some, you know, make up some hay with Norfolk and a couple of those teams. But uh, overall, the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp have to be considered one of the better teams in AAA baseball. 
the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. They've been hot lately. They've been very hot lately. The Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp are now 48 and 36. They had gotten to a point, you know, a couple of weeks back, two or three weeks back, where they were 34 and 32. And I think that was kind of their 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 lowest point of the season when they dropped to only two games over 500. Now they're back to 48 and 36, 12 games over 500. So that gives you some other area sports. Uh, also, National Arena League teams advancing to the championship game upcoming this week. Uh, the Columbus Georgia Lions uh, defeated the Orlando Predators, and Columbus Georgia Lions have advanced to the championship game of the National Arena League. Uh, they will be playing the Albany New York Empire, who defeated the uh, Carolina Cobras uh, last weekend. So it's said in the National Arena League. Uh, you've got the Albany New York Empire that will be hosting the Columbus Georgia Lions in the National Arena League Championship game. And you're listening to the Teal Shirt Report podcast. We've got more coming up, North Florida Entertainment. Uh, more about the Jaguars coming up as well. Thank you for listening. We're brought to you by Anchor.fm, Saucerility, LakeUfallahits.com, and you can follow us at BigJReport.com. Thank you for listening. Hey, you're listening to the Teal Shirt Report podcast. My name is Scott. And hey, this is the 46th episode of season number two. Here in 2021, we started the podcast way back in mid-January of 2020, uh, right before COVID kind of moved into the United States in about mid-March of 2020. So we started even before COVID back in January of 2020. So we've been going at this thing well over, heck what, well over a year and a half now. Um, We're going to talk about the National Arena League for just a moment. The two teams are in the championship game. They both won their uh, playoff games last week. The Columbus Georgia Lions uh, defeated the Orlando Predators, and it was the Albany New York Empire defeating the Carolina Cobras. Uh, Obviously, the team with the better seed gets the home game, so the championship game will be the Columbus Georgia Lions, who have a really good National Arena League team this year. The Columbus Georgia Lions... The second seed will be playing at the Albany New York Empire, but you're basically getting the top two teams in the championship game. So best of luck to both of those teams, especially the Columbus Georgia Lions. Perhaps they can bring a National Arena League title uh, back to Columbus, Georgia. We'll see what happens. Again, this coming weekend, it's the Columbus Georgia Lions traveling to Albany, New York to play the Albany New York the Albany New York Empire in the National Arena League Championship, the Columbus Georgia Lions versus the Albany New York Empire up in Albany, New York. Uh, We briefly want to touch on the Southern Steam for a moment because I know they've completed their last season at the Ice and Sports Complex here in Jacksonville because, as we understand it, the Jacksonville Icemen have uh, bought the ice and sports complex, and they're going to be putting uh, another ice rink in there. There's already, I believe, one ice rink in the ice and sports complex. It'll now be known as the Igloo. So now there'll be two, um, actually, um, ice rinks where they can practice hockey, play some hockey, 
you know, one of the um, the old professional hockey teams several years ago, one of the, uh, the I forget which team it was. It might have been might have been the Barracudas, perhaps. But uh, there's been many hockey teams in Jacksonville over the years. The Icemen look really solvent, and they've just completed their fourth year here in Jacksonville. I mean, they've even had to battle, you know, some postponed games, um, you know, because of COVID, canceled games. But they've got through four seasons, very solvent franchise. Uh, Bob Arablo and the Jacksonville Icemen, you know, Bob Arablo, who's part of the um, the group that runs that team. It's also part owned by Tim Tebow, uh, Miles Jack. I mean, it's a great local ownership thing uh, that's going on right now. But again, the Tim Tebow and Miles Jack are more, more or less part owners of the Jacksonville Icemen. But this brings us to an interesting point. An extra ice rink is being put in at the Igloo which means they are taking out the indoor football field is coming out, you know, of the old ice and sports complex, which now becomes the Igloo. So thus the Southern steam is going to be looking for a new home. Uh, one of the rumors I hear is they could possibly, there's a possibility and you know, this isn't edged in stone, but one of the possibilities is possibly the equestrian center way out Normandy Boulevard on the deep the deep part of the west side in Jacksonville, Florida, that could be a good possibility because I believe the owner of the Southern Steam, Bobby Damerel, is uh, planning to acquire the indoor uh, football field. You know, I guess the the boards, the turf, whatever comes with the, the indoor football field, and he could move that perhaps to the equestrian center. But again, this is, um, you know, this is just speculation a possibility. So wherever they move to the Southern steam, certainly hope they're going to be able to be right near us somewhere in North Florida, you know, or uh, South Georgia. So it looks like they're going to be uh, taking out that uh, indoor football field at the ice and sports complex, which will now be known as the Igloo and the indoor football field, part of the old ice and sports complex will be moving to another location one possibility, the equestrian center way out Normandy Boulevard, deep on the west side of Jacksonville, Florida, which years and years ago used to kind of be the sticks. But, uh, you know, now there's a lot going on deep on the west side, a lot of um, the west side and the uh, the deepest part of the west side being really built up, you know, here as Jacksonville, Florida continues uh, to grow. Uh, we'll be talking more on the Till Shirt Report podcast. We've got North Florida Entertainment coming up. Uh, we're going to try to get some reports uh, from Alex Nunry, reports, possibly some interviews uh, with Alex Nunry. I understand he's going out to uh, JAA practice for the JAA JUCO, uh, JAA Moccasins, who play JUCO football uh, here in Jacksonville. They'll play their their home games at Clay High School in Clay County, which is basically on the border, kind of the border between Clay County and Duval. We'll have more on the Till Shirt Report podcast coming up, so stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hey, you're listening to the Teal Shirt Report podcast. Uh, we talk uh, Jacksonville 
uh, Jaguars football, North Florida entertainment, and other area sports as well. This is the 46th episode of the Teal Shirt Report. Uh, we're listened to uh, in as many as 36 states now, you know, including some of the last, the latest states that have come on board, Nebraska, Montana. Uh, we're heavily listened to all across Florida. Florida is our biggest state, but we got a lot of listeners in Georgia, Ohio, state of Washington, state of Colorado, Alabama, Texas, and many other uh, great locations that are listening into our Teal Shirt Report podcast. This is episode number 46. We talked about some some number 46s earlier that you know might not have immediately rung a bell with you, but we do want to, because the long snapper does not get a lot of publicity, Ross Matusik, Ross Matusik, the long snapper, number 46 with the Jacksonville Jaguars. We will acknowledge him and even honor him. Uh, he's going into his second year in the NFL. Uh, number 46, Ross Matusik, Matusik, the long snapper for the Jaguars. Where's number 46? And we'll honor him and uh, give him some love on the 46th episode of uh, season number two of the Teal Shirt Report podcast. So much stuff to talk about today. Again, we want to mention our sponsors, Anchor.fm, Social Realty, LakeUfollowHits.com, where it's all good. And you can follow us, of course, at BigJReport.com. We've been talking about the National Arena League uh, AAA baseball with the Jumbo Shrimp doing very, very well in 12 games over 500 now. But, hey, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about Bobby Bowden. You know, and I'm a longtime Florida Gator fan, but Bobby was a longtime coach at Florida State. Uh, he came to Florida State from West Virginia, and, man, he stayed at Florida State. He built a program, said, hey, we're going to play all the big boys and even go on the road, and that's kind of how he built his program. His overall, how about this? His overall head coaching record, 370, is that right? 377 wins, um, 129 losses and four ties. Man, the guy coached a long time. Um, heck, you know, I was just a young kid uh, when he took over, and I believe 1976, and coached the Seminoles through 2009. His final game was actually in January of 2010 at the uh, Jacksonville, Florida Gator Bowl. Bobby Bowden, man, you'll never see a guy coach that long at one school again. Incredible. From 1976 until 2009, and he did coach the Gator Bowl game in January of 2010. Bobby Bowden was 91. Quick story about Bobby Bowden. Uh, when I did the uh, sports talk show in Jacksonville at WEXI, you know, way back in the uh, early 1980s, I'll tell you, I used to call some of the coaches because I had some contacts and, you know, I called and I had the, you know, their, their office number. It was a different time then, you know, back before cell phones, back before the internet and back even before sports radio. I mean, sports radio was not termed sports radio until a few years after I did my show at WEXI radio sports talk. And I did an afternoon drive sports show there, but I had Bobby Bowden's phone number. I think it was the uh, the FSU coach's office number. Whenever I called him, Bobby answered the phone. Whenever I asked Bobby Bowden to do an interview with me, you know, he never turned me down. He was so polite, so nice. And, and, uh, and again, I had his phone number. I could call him 
you know, virtually anytime, you know, I wanted to. And we did a lot of interviews with Bobby, Bobby Bowden, Coach Bobby Bowden back in the 1980s. And I always enjoyed those interviews. And I've, I've always remembered that, you know, and it's a funny thing if you're a Florida Gator fan, you know, through the 80s, the 90s, and as long as Bobby coached there, it got to the point where all the Florida Gator fans said, man, we got to beat that old man. They started calling Bobby Bowden the old man, but man, he, he was there a long time from 1976 to 2009. And again, he coached that Gator Bowl game, his last game in uh, January of 2010. Last games at the Gator Bowl, not only Bobby Bowden, but Archie Manning, Archie Manning, the father of uh, Eli and Peyton Manning. Uh, played his final game at the Gator Bowl in Jacksonville, his final collegiate game before he went to the NFL and uh, played for the New Orleans Saints. So the Gator Bowl, a lot of history and tradition with some players playing their final collegiate games and a coach playing his final or coaching his final collegiate game in uh, Coach Bobby Bowden. Coach Bobby Bowden was 91. I think um, – you know, he was he was loved. He was loved by his family, friends, fans, and, you know, even his opponents, his opponents, teams, coaches and fans of his opponents teams, too. And I mean, that's he commands really, uh, really a lot of respect. Um, you know, he's gone now. He's 91. He's up in heaven, kind of looking down on all of us right now. So, so, so behave, be on your P's and Q's because Bobby Bowden is in heaven. You know, and I'm, I'm sure he's a guardian angel for many of his uh, former players and former assistant coaches and family members and certainly et cetera. So Bobby Bowden will be missed. Boy, he had a great career. 91 years old, coached at Florida State from 76 to 2009, and then coached that Gator Bowl game, his final game in January of 2010. He coached uh, – he was head coach at West Virginia before he came to Florida State. He played uh, one year at Alabama in 1948 as a freshman and then played at Samford from 49 to 52. And, of course, he was the head coach at Samford from 1950. This is incredible. I mean, this was before I was born. He was the head coach at Samford in 1959 to 1962. Um, he He was actually at Florida State as a wide receivers coach in 63 to 65. Um, he was the offensive coordinator of West Virginia from 66 to 69. The head coach at West Virginia from 1970 to uh, 1975. And um, that's amazing. Let me backtrack this even more because, let's see, he was actually an assistant coach at Samford from 1954 to 1955. Um he was at South Georgia State College. I guess he was. I guess he must have been the head coach at uh, South Georgia State College for a brief time. Uh, was a head coach at Samford from fifty nine to sixty two. Uh, he was the wide receiver coach at Florida State from sixty three to sixty five. So he kind of built a, uh, you know, he kind of built a little bit of a, you know, relationship with Florida State early on. Then he went to West Virginia as the offensive coordinator became the head coach in 1970 and was the head coach at West Virginia from 1970 through 75. And I think some of his sons actually played for him at West Virginia. And then he was the head coach at Florida State officially from 1976 to 2009. 
he uh, he amassed overall 377 victories as a head coach, 129 losses, and overall four ties. Uh, Bobby Bowden was also 21-10 and one in bowl games, so that that says a lot right there. Two national championships in 1993 and 1999, 12 ACC championships. And uh, that's just some of uh, what Bobby Bounds accomplished as a head coach. Again, he was uh, he was 91 years old as we say goodbye to what a great coach, great man, Bobby Bowden at, at Florida State. And I had the privilege of interviewing Bobby back in the 1980s and want to thank him for that. You know, even posthumously now that, he, you know, he's gone, he knew I appreciated the interviews because I told him at the time. And uh, Bobby Bowden passed away. Uh, back on Sunday, August the 8th, just a couple of days ago as we're recording this podcast on August the 10th. Um, we're going to talk SEC football uh, for a moment here. And, you know, I was kind of going over some things. I, I've talked with our, you know, I've, I've messaged with and, and emailed with, um, you know, our Georgia Bulldog football insider, Matt Max. Uh, we've talked to JC, our Alabama football expert, Alex Nunry, who covers um, and follows the Florida Gators as he's been a fan of the Florida Gators, you know, for many, many years. And I've kind of got him ranked. Uh, the SEC football, you know, the SEC con- Southeastern Conference has uh, 14 teams. Texas and Oklahoma want to join too. And they may join in 2025 or maybe even as early as next year. We'll see what happens. That seems to be a rapidly developing situation. Uh, with Texas and Oklahoma joining the Southeastern Conference, um, you know, potentially, it looks like it's definitely going to happen, but it's, uh, you know, it's a potential thing where Texas and Oklahoma kind of coming in as a, they're kind of a team, right? Texas and Oklahoma, they're kind of like partners are coming in together. Uh, They won't be in the SEC in 2021, obviously, and I've got to look a breakdown at our top seven teams. There's 14 teams currently in the SEC. All of a sudden, I got to thinking about Georgia. Georgia has got, you know, they got a couple of really good offensive linemen coming back. They've got some defensive guys they did not think would come back and did decide to come back. They've got a lot of players coming back on defense. Got a couple of key offensive linemen coming back. Uh, they've got a talented quarterback who was transferred in from Southern California from USC in uh, Mr. Uh, JT Daniels. Um, and he's not, you know, really played with Georgia um, at this point, but will play. Has a lot of potential. Um, JT Daniels, high expectations from the fans, from him, from uh, Coach Kirby Smart. Right now, I got Georgia ranked number one in my uh, Southeastern Conference uh, uh, Big J Report SEC football rankings. And I just did a new ranking uh, today on August the 10th. I got Georgia number one, Alabama number two, Florida three, uh, Texas A&M fourth. I got Auburn fifth, Ole Miss with uh, quarterback Matt Corral and head coach Lane Kiffin sixth, LSU with Coach O. Go Tigers. Go Tigers, right? LSU is seventh in my SEC uh, football preseason, BigJReport.com SEC football preseason poll. These are the top seven. Uh, We will do a complete 14 uh, probably in the uh, next Teal Shirt Report podcast, but that's what I've got is my my top seven right now. Georgia one, 
Alabama, too. That's a very close one and two, by the way. Florida could be as high as third. Texas A&M, fourth. Auburn, fifth. Ole Miss, sixth. LSU, seventh. And I tell you what, I think Missouri could be a surprise team in 2021. I'm actually going to put Missouri in there at about eighth. I'll give you a top eight out of the 14. Let's uh, go ahead and pencil Missouri in at eighth in the SEC in my uh, you know preseason rankings of the Southeastern Conference as we talk SEC football uh, here on the Teal Shirt Report podcast. So I'm going to go ahead and include Missouri in there at number eight. We'll do the um, uh, the bottom six, if you will, on the uh, on the next podcast here on the Teal Shirt Report podcast. So we did a little tribute to uh, the late coach Bobby Bowden, who sadly passed away on Sunday, August the eighth. At 91, at 91, Bobby Bowden, uh, I mean, a full life, coached a lot, won a lot of games, and he'll be remembered by, you know, by by all his players, you know, his fans, his family, and even his uh, his opponents and his opponents, uh, coaches, you know, the fans. I mean, what what a what a great guy for college football. And I think about people that have passed on, Bobby Bowden. Um, even Keith Jackson, the longtime college football announcer, uh, Bear Bryant. And, you know, actually, it seems like Nick Saban has supplanted the Bear, maybe. Isn't that incredible that anybody could supplant Bear Bryant as a top coach in Alabama history? It looks like Nick Saban has done that. And Georgia and Alabama, they're at the top of the conference. Florida and Texas A&M want to get to the top. Um Auburn, Ole Miss, LSU, Missouri, they all want to get into the top four, but they're not quite there yet as we gave you our top eight SEC football rankings, BigJReport.com, SEC football rankings. We'll do the complete 14 most likely on our, our next podcast. So thank you for listening in. I'm going to take a look at North Florida Entertainment and some uh, concerts coming up. Uh, the show must go on. ZZ Top uh, scheduled to be in Jacksonville, even with Dusty Hill passing away. They've got a replacement guitarist who's pretty good, and um, they're going to be they're going to be in Jacksonville. I believe it's November. Let me give you the official dates of uh, some of the concerts that are that are coming up. And uh, you know, we know we know certainly during 2020 a lot of concerts were canceled or postponed some of them are being made up and then there's some uh, you know some new shows that are out and about too um let's see green day with fallout boy and weezer was held back on july the 31st i had uh brian let's see brian fox who goes to some concerts here in jacksonville with gator chomp he, he's with the gator chomp and um, Brian uh, goes to some shows. He said it was a really good show. And I think he said there was as many as four bands at uh, the TIA Bank Field. So I thought I'd mention him, you know, here in our podcast. Um, you know, Brian and I had a, a little conversation about that concert on July the 31st. And I had a chance to message with Brian on Facebook. And, um, you know, he said... Um, the concert with uh, Weezer and those guys, you know, was was actually uh, pretty good. Um, let's see. I think I had um, some messages from Brian. Yeah, here we go. Um, 
Brian went to the uh, the concert that we just talked about back on July the 31st. He said, really good show. All four bands played really well. I, I you know, I don't, I don't get a chance to get to all the shows anymore. I get to a few, but it's always great when I can actually talk to someone who's been to a show that can give me a little bit of a review. And I know Brian, Brian Fox likes music and goes to a good number of shows at Daly's Place and, and TIA Bank Field. Uh, this particular show, of course, um, that's, uh, gr- I mean, Green Day. I mean, that'd be a great show to see. And they were here July 31st, Green Day with Fallout Boy and Weezer on July 31st at uh, 5.30 p.m. at TIA Bank Field here in Jacksonville, Florida. And as you heard, uh, Brian, as you heard me tell you what Brian Fox had, had messaged me, very good show. And there were as many as, as many as four bands there. Also, um. Motley, I haven't got, I have not got the, uh, the lowdown on this show. Motley Crue and Def Leppard and Poison were at the TIA Bank Field on Jackson, in Jacksonville, Florida on Saturday, August the 7th, uh, 4.30 p.m. That was back on August the 7th. I've not got a review on that one, but, uh, you know, we'll continue to, uh, uh, check around on some reviews. That would have been a good show. Motley Crue, Def Leppard, and Poison at TIA Bank Field in Jacksonville, Florida. was held Saturday, August 7th in uh, Jacksonville, Florida, just this past uh, weekend, late in the afternoon and into the evening and night on August the 7th. Santana coming up on Tuesday night, uh, September the 21st of 2021 at 8 o'clock p.m. at Daly's Place in Jacksonville, Florida. Should be a good show with the legend Carlos Santana That's Santana on Tuesday night, September the 21st at eight o'clock PM at Daly's place uh, here in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, Steely Dan. How about this? And, and I'm not sure that I'm going to attend this show. I did see Steely Dan as a bucket list item back on 2000 in 2013. Walter Becker, one of the founding members was still living at that time. Sadly, he passed away in 2017. Um, so I've seen Steely Dan, saw him in 2013 at the St. John, at the St. Augustine Amphitheater, I should say, at the St. Augustine Amphitheater. And um, my, my late wife, um, who passed away in 2017, was with me at the show in 2013. But Steely Dan is coming back to Jacksonville. Uh, they were at St. Augustine when I saw him nearby, you know, 30 minutes from Jacksonville. Steely Dan will be at the Times Union Center in Jacksonville, Florida. And when I was a kid uh, watching concerts in you know, high school, college, it was always said the Civic Auditorium had the best acoustics in town for shows. Uh, Steely Dan will be at the Times Union Center, formerly the Civic Auditorium in Jacksonville. So Steely Dan will be at the Times Union Center in Jacksonville, Florida, on Tuesday night, October the 19th of 2021 at 8 o'clock p.m. Tickets now on sale for Steely Dan. Uh, ZZ Top. Without Dusty Hill, who passed away just a few days ago, the guitarist and singer, he's being, you know, he's being replaced by a guy that that is very close to the band, and I think also was uh, Dusty Hill's choice to replace him. You know, if if he had an illness or passed away, and obviously Dusty Hill has passed away, uh, so the show Dusty Hill says the show must go on, and uh, ZZ Top. Uh, we'll be playing on Sunday night, November the 14th of 2021 at 8 o'clock p.m. at the Florida Theater here in Jacksonville, Florida. KC and the Sunshine Band are scheduled to be here. That's right, KC and the Sunshine Band. Here we go. 
Casey and the Sunshine Band on uh, Saturday night, January the 22nd of 2022 at 7.30 p.m. That's coming um, in a few months to the Florida Theater uh, here in Jacksonville, Florida. And we've been talking for months and months and months about Elton John, the Elton John Goodbye Yellow Brick Road Farewell Tour in 2022 on April the 23rd of 2022 at the Star Veterans Memorial Arena uh, here in Jacksonville, Florida. I want to go back and talk for a moment about the SEC. We ran down what I feel could be the top eight teams in the SEC this year. The, the bottom six I haven't talked about. I mentioned as so far in my BigJReport.com SEC football rankings or uh, ratings, if you will. Um, I guess we'll call it the power. I think last year we called it the power rankings, right? SEC football power rankings, BigJReport.com, SEC football power rankings. I got Georgia number one, Alabama number two, but that's a close one and two. Georgia one, Alabama two, Florida three, Texas A&M four, Auburn fifth, Ole Miss sixth with um, second-year coach Elaine Kiffin and veteran quarterback Matt Corral. Uh, Matt Corral is really – I would say probably the most experienced and and most highly decorated quarterback in the SEC going into 2021, other than JT Daniels, perhaps from Georgia. JT Daniels just hasn't really played for Georgia yet. So we'll find out how he does. He's highly decorated as a transfer coming in from USC. And of course, you know, Ole Miss and uh, Matt Corral. Matt Corral was originally... Uh, he, he had originally committed to Florida when Jim McElwain was the head coach at Florida, you know, and that's going back three or four years ago. So he was coming to Florida, but when Dan Mullen took over, I think uh, Matt Corral decided, hey, I think Dan Mullen's offense might not be as good for me. I think uh, Matt Corral likes uh, the pro-style offense. And, of course, Lane Kiffin was not there when Matt Corral came in. So to Matt Corral – and Lane Kiffin kind of inherited each other, but it seems like it's worked well. And there was a point, you know, I think last year where Matt Corral, there was a chance early in the season he might not even be the starter last year, but he obviously won the job. And he's probably the most experienced, and he, he's either he's one of the top two or three ranked quarterbacks in the SEC, maybe the top guy. I got Ole Miss sixth with Matt Corral and Coach Lane Kiffin, LSU seventh. And a team to watch out for, maybe a dark horse, Missouri 8th in the SEC. We kind of went Western Division quite a bit because out of the top eight, out of the top eight, we've only got three teams from the East and five teams from the West. Of course, the bottom six, we'll talk about those teams on our next podcast. And I will tell you, you know, obviously Tennessee's in that bottom six and Tennessee football, I'm going to just say it like it is. I mean, Tennessee football has not been relevant, it seems like, in many, many years. Now, they've gotten close to the edge a couple of times, but ever since that hobnail boot game where Georgia won that football game years and years ago when Larry Munson, the late Larry Munson, made the call, we stepped on their face like a hobnail boot. Tennessee hadn't been the same since. I don't know. That that hobnail boot game might have been a curse for Tennessee, possibly. So we've taken a look at the concerts, uh, taken a look at SEC football. 
Next up, we're going to check in with Alex Nunry and get some reports. I know Alex is going to be talking about JAA JUCO football here in Jacksonville. They play at Clay High School uh, in the Clay County area. Uh, Alex Nunnery is going to give us some some of his latest reports, possibly interviews as well. Um, you know, concerning JAA, the JAA moccasins that play JUCO football, uh, their inaugural first year uh, here in the Jacksonville, Florida area. They do play their their home games at Clay High School, and I know the first couple of games are going to be playing at uh, Florence, South Carolina, playing the Florence uh, JUCO school, and they're also going to be playing Atlantis. At home, Atlantis is is out of the Atlanta, Georgia area. So JUCO football, junior college football, comes to Jacksonville, Florida now. And we're going to get some uh, reports and some possible interviews coming up uh, with Alex Nunry, the BigJReport.com's sports reporter. Alex Nunry, here now is Alex. Ladies and gentlemen. My name is Alex Nunnery. I am the sports reporter here for BigJReport.com and the Teal Shirt Report podcast. On September 12th at 7 p.m., the Jacksonville Athletic Academy Mocks will have their first ever football game as they are Jacksonville's first ever junior college football team. The Mocs, they will play at Clay High School. Come out and support the Mocs. The JAA Mocs, their head coach and offensive coordinator is Justin Rakin, the defensive coordinator, is former Canadian Football League defensive back Mike Carter, the wide receivers coach, Justin Moses, and the special teams coordinator Larry Hurlbert. Some of the stars for the Mocs. Their starting quarterback from Washington, D.C., Aaron Perry. A running back from Ridgeview High School, Jaden Turner. The other stars for the Mocs from J.A.A. Mike Linebacker from Detroit, Michigan, Timetrius Patterson. Another running back from Albany, Georgia, Darion McCray. Another running back from Baker County High School, Scooby Graham. And a brand new running back to the mocks from the University of Tennessee, Tim Jordan. Jordan hails from Bartow High School.
your Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. Win again. The Shrimp have won 10 out of their last 12 games. Sean Moramondo got the win for the Shrimp last night. Joe Dunan hit a home run to Georgia. Dunan, a former NC State baseball player and the nephew of the great Alex Rodriguez. The Jumbo Shrimp will play a doubleheader today versus the Norfolk Tides. Games at five and seven. What a game for your Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp last night, August the sixth, and from a terrific crowd at home, Nick Fortes, the designated hitter for the Shrimp. Had a walk-off, two-RBI double for the Shrimp last night over Norfolk. Andrew Bellotti got the win for the Jumbo Shrimp. But what a start for Norfolk's Mike Bauman. Five and two-thirds innings of no-hit baseball. Bauman from Jacksonville University. Also from the great, your Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp will try to win this series tonight against Norfolk. First pitch is at 6.30 at Shrimp Stadium, 121 Financial Ballpark. Edward Cabrera, one of the Shrimp's best pitchers. And one of the Marlins' top prospects will get the start on the mound for the Jumbo Shrimp. Cabrera hails from the Dominican Republic. Man, I got to get to a Jumbo Shrimp game soon. Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp, thank you for the reports from Alex Nunry. Jumbo Shrimp, pretty hot right now. Boiling hot Jumbo Shrimp. The only thing that cooled the Jumbo Shrimp off lately has been the rain. They've had some doubleheaders, and they looked good in the doubleheader Sunday uh, when they did uh, sweep Norfolk in a doubleheader. The Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp, as of Tuesday morning, August 10th, as we record this podcast, your Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp uh, here in Jacksonville, Florida, the AAA baseball team, the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp are 48 and 36 on the season. That's the very latest on their record as of Tuesday morning. August the 10th. Hope you've enjoyed the uh, Teal Shirt Report podcast. We're listened to in as many as 36 states. Uh, we're also international and worldwide. Uh, got some some good listeners in Northern uh, Ireland, Northern Ireland, the UK, Wales, Canada, uh, Puerto Rico, France. We're all over the place. Uh, Quebec, Canada, Montreal area, even the west coast of Canada. But we are in as many as 36 states across the United States with the Teal Shirt Report podcast. I want to thank Alex Nunnery for his reports on the JAA Moccasins uh, Junior College football program here in Jacksonville to play their home games. 
at uh, Clay High School. And uh, their head coach is Justin uh, Reagan. That's uh, Justin Reagan and their quarterback, Aaron Penny. Uh, Aaron Penny, the quarterback, is from the D.C. area. And, again, their head coach is Justin Reagan. Alex, I understand, is going to be going to, I believe, a practice they're having this coming Friday. So we'll be getting more reports on the JAA Moccasins, the new JUCO junior college football team uh, here in Jacksonville, Florida. On the Tillshirt Report podcast, we follow the Jacksonville Jaguars, check North Florida Entertainment, and check a lot of um, other area sports as well. So thank you for tuning into the Teal Shirt Report podcast brought to you by Anchor.fm, simplest and easiest way to do a podcast uh, with improved enhancements and features. And of course, you know, Anchor.fm. We, we've been using Anchor since we uh, started back in mid-January of 2020. Anchor.fm, simplest and easiest way to make a podcast, great creation tools. So Anchor.fm, one of our sponsors, also Saucer Realty. For your North Florida real estate needs, see Larry Saucer at Saucer Realty, whether it's home, residential, uh, business, commercial, real estate, North Florida, remember Saucer Realty, and you can find their link by going to bigjreport.com, scrolling all the way down to our 24-7 North Florida weather information, and you'll find a link in our weather, right in the middle of the weather for Saucer Realty. So we want to thank Anchor.fm, Saucer Realty, LakeUfallHits.com for great internet radio where it's all good, and you can follow us at bigjreport.com. And again, thank you for listening to the Teal Shirt Report podcast. This has been episode number 46 of season number two of the Teal Shirt Report podcast, making my job so much easier as the host. I want to thank our producers, Alex Nunnery, and also JC. Thank you guys so much for all the, the help that you give me in putting the Teal Shirt Report podcast together. Thank you for listening. My name is Scott. I'm out with episode 46. Uh, We'll have episode 47 real soon, maybe sooner than you think. So keep listening. Keep checking back on us right here at the Teal Shirt Report podcast. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Hey, wait a minute. I I can't go yet without mentioning that the next preseason game or the first preseason game for our Jacksonville Jaguars um, will be held uh, this coming Saturday, August the 14th at 7 o'clock p.m. against the Cleveland Browns. That's a home game. And I'm hearing rumors that Gardner Minshew will probably start at quarterback in this game. We may see Trevor Lawrence somewhere in the first game. You know, I've heard reports that Trevor may play during the three-game preseason, may play as much as one game to one-and-a-half games. Uh, Gardner Minshew needs work, too. Uh, may see C.J. Beathard, the third-string quarterback, and maybe uh, Jake Luton, the four-string guy who probably ends up on the practice squad, may get a quarter of work as well. We'll see how it goes. But the first preseason game uh, will be this Saturday, a home game, this Saturday, August 14th at 7 o'clock p.m., At TIAA Bank Field, the Jaguars will host the Cleveland Browns. That's right, the Jacksonville Jaguars will host the Cleveland Browns. Uh, The game will be broadcast on local CBS Channel uh, 47. So that'll be on Saturday night, 
August the 14th at 7 o'clock p.m., first preseason game, first of three preseason games coming up. Game two the following week will be at the New Orleans Saints. But first things first, the Jacksonville Jaguars played their first preseason game uh, this uh, Saturday night, August the 14th at 7 o'clock p.m. As the Jaguars, the new look, the new era, Jacksonville Jaguars under first-year new head coach Urban Meyer, the Jacksonville Jaguars will be hosting the Cleveland Browns at TIAA Bank Field this Saturday night, August the 14th at 7 o'clock p.m. The rumor I hear is that Gardner Minshew will start the game at quarterback. I'm sure we'll see Trevor Lawrence somewhere in the middle of the game and maybe even an appearance somewhere from third-string quarterback C.J. Beathard. We'll see how this preseason game goes, but, you know, all the quarterbacks certainly – you know, need to work. That's a look at the Tillshirt Report podcast. We did want to get that encore mention in of the first preseason game. Man, football is coming right at us, coming right through the back door or the front door, if you will. And football season is here. The Jaguars host the Cleveland Browns uh, during that exhibition game. And that will be this Saturday night, August the 14th at 7 o'clock p.m. The Jacksonville Jaguars hosting the Cleveland Browns, it will be the first game for new head football coach Urban Meyer, his first NFL game, though it being a preseason game. Man, the Jags have a lot to do in the next three uh, weeks, the next three preseason games. They're going to have to get the roster down from 90 all the way down to 53 over the next uh, three weeks or so. That's a look at the Teal Shirt Report podcast. Thank you for listening. You know, we've got people listening in as many as 36 states worldwide. Want to give a shout out to the folks in Northern Ireland listening in, all the folks throughout the UK, Canada, France, and all uh, 36 states that listen in. Want to say hello to comedian Miller Mark uh, listening in in New York. And again, a special thank you to our producers, uh, of course, uh, Alex Nunnery, our Big J Report. Uh, dot com sports reporter Alex Nunry, one of our uh, producers, along with JC, our freelance uh, uh, writer and bigjreport.com as well. So a special thank you to our producers, Alex Nunry and JC. You guys have a great day. Thank you for listening to the 46th episode as we gave you a little encore here talking about the preseason game for the Jaguars coming up as they host the Cleveland Browns on, well, this Saturday night, August the 14th. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to our Teal Shirt Report podcast. We'll be back again soon. This was episode number 46 of season number two. Have a great day. 